Everyone has a story, and I believe that sharing your story has the power to connect people. I'm a working mom, wife, and seeker, and nothing lights me up and brings me more joy than having meaningful conversations. And one of the things I love to talk about is psychedelics. In December 2021, I experienced my first psychedelic journey with psilocybin. It was one of the most profound events of my life, and it opened me up to a deeper spiritual growth and helped me to heal. And now, talking to those who've experienced the therapeutic magic of psychedelics and hearing about their personal journey has become my passion. Mindful Trip is a safe space to have conversations that demystify and destigmatize the use of plant medicines. Conversations that allow us to have deeper connections with ourselves and others. I hope that sharing these intimate, funny, and inspiring stories helps you find the answers you're looking for. A wise friend said to me, all you can do is follow the threads and see where it takes you. So I hope you'll join me in unraveling the threads, staying open, and trusting the journey. This is Mindful Trip. Mindful Trip content and the views, thoughts, and opinions of the host, guests, and contributors is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional legal advice or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Consult with the medical provider or mental health care professional about your health-related questions. Mindful Trip does not encourage illegal activity, including but not limited to the illegal sale, purchase, or use of controlled substances. Hi, and thanks for joining me. Today, my friend Angela shares her incredible experience during a wild ayahuasca ceremony that included energy radiating from her hands. Wait until you hear her amazing story. Angela Park currently owns and operates a dessert bakery in Hoboken, New Jersey. Angela experienced her spiritual awakening during the pandemic, which led her to explore acupuncture and energy healing. She's currently pursuing a master's in traditional oriental medicine at Pacific College of Health and Science. Your support means a lot, so please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. I'd also love to hear what resonates for you, so send me your comments. Hi, Angela. Hi. Hi, Min. Oh, I'm so happy to see your face. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're actually one of the people that I'm just really, really excited to have a conversation with for so many reasons. Oh, thank you. I mean, we have the Korean immigrant experience connection. Mm-hmm. And just to give a little context, Angela and I met through a woman's circle last year. And I was just immediately struck by your story. And I couldn't get your story and you out of my head. And when I was thinking about launching this podcast, you were one of the people that I was like, I have to reach out to her. I need her to be on it because we just have so many similarities in our backgrounds Mm -hmm. and our experiences. So let's get started. Share with me what I need to know about you to understand what led you to your first psychedelic journey. When my mom passed in 2013, my spiritual awakening started 
And then I started to look into near-death experiences just so that I can understand her passing. And it gave me a lot of comfort knowing that there's something on the other side. And it resonated so deeply with me. So in terms of her death, it felt peaceful. And I just had a lot of comfort. Mm -hmm. And just to fast forward a little bit, I guess right before the pandemic, really, I was in a relationship and it was a soul connection that was really beautiful and intense and also um, very difficult because a lot of my shadows and issues came up. But at the time, I was just blaming him. Mm. I was just blaming him for everything. So basically, it was a tumultuous relationship. And we ended up breaking up several times, but I couldn't let him go for some reason. Mm. And... I've done a lot of self-analysis and I felt like I was able to analyze our relationship in a way where I understood it or so I thought, but I just felt like there was this block. Right. And so that led me to look into ayahuasca because I felt like I needed help. Mm. And it was almost like it was a calling in a sense because I felt like there wasn't anything else I could do. I felt like I was analytical enough to understand the dynamics of the relationship and how it failed in a sense. And luckily I had just in a conversation, I I told a friend of mine that I was looking into ayahuasca and he gave me a reference and I was able to go upstate and it really changed my life. How did you find out about ayahuasca? Was it something that you had known about or was it something that you had just started researching or somebody had talked to you about it? It was several years ago. It piqued my interest and over the years I kind of in and out forgot about it, but there was always like this little nudge. I felt like Mm -hmm. it was a medicine that was calling to me. I've done several ayahuasca ceremonies thereafter. It was a path that I was meant to go on. I guess a co-creation with this medicine Mm -hmm. and to help me on my journey and to direct me onto my life path. I definitely wouldn't have been able to do it on my own or maybe, you know, it just would have been, it would have taken longer. Yeah. But the medicine really showed me, I guess, not just my life path, but my potential Mm -hmm. in a sense, taking off those layers of pain and hurt and suffering and even ancestral wounds and things like that and actually allowing me to see a little bit clearly. That's what it did for me. I feel like the medicine isn't about healing you, but it's just allowing these layers of distortion to be Mm. healed away. And that's what I felt like because in essence, our spirits and our souls are really like Truly, it's there with us and it's pure. It's full of love and peace and joy. And it's just living in this world and our defenses and our ego and things like that really distorted everything. So I think the medicine just helps clear that. And it doesn't happen instantly. Right. But. And nothing does, right? Nothing ever (laughs) clears up anything instantly as much as we want that to happen. (laughs) Exactly. And in terms of the medicine, it really took me on a journey of even going back to my childhood. I think that the relationship was actually meant to trigger all of these issues in me. And I look back at the relationship and it now I look at it as a blessing and it actually helped me 
guide me to this healing path and to ayahuasca. And this medicine also helped me with a lot of inner child work. And I realized being an immigrant and from Korea and immigrating when I was three and, uh, you know, my family, I was the youngest of five. So my family didn't have much money. They were both factory workers when they came into the United States. They didn't have childcare. I was actually sent over to my aunt and uncles in DC. So my family immigrated to the United States and moved to California. And I was sent over to my aunt and uncles in DC. Wow. And so I was there for about a year, but I didn't know them. But it, you know, for my family, it felt safe for me to be there in the hands of family. And so growing up, I realized, wow, there's a practical reason and understandable reason, but I didn't realize that it caused major trauma to me. So basically my abandonment issues defined me in a sense. It created this highly independent perfectionist that was very driven and didn't trust anyone and did everything on my own. So and I didn't realize that. I actually thought it was kind of cultural, like this high achieving professional, <laughs> professional being from the Asian culture. But in fact, it was because of the trauma that you know I experienced being away from my family for 10 months with strangers. So basically, I was in foster care mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that. So the medicine really helped me understand that dynamic and understand and kind of dismantle and break it down for me. In terms of bringing out my masculine side, I felt like I had to be the high achiever and the Mm -hmm. doer, and I couldn't really trust anyone. So it really affected my relationships, and therefore it affected this pivotal relationship right before COVID. I understood the whole dynamic of it all because of the medicine, and it changed my life. It changed my life completely, And, and I see that relationships, and I look back at it even during that time where it was just so difficult as I understood that it was actually just bringing up just all the pain Mm -hmm. and that I was holding on to from my childhood. He helped me or actually because of his traumas, it was more of a trauma bonding and it mattered (laughs) that his traumas, you know, triggered mine and looking back on it, it's a blessing. I mean, can we talk a little bit about, the kind of Asian culture Mm -hmm. in general and how culturally we are taught to repress our emotions. There's no conversation about your feelings. There's no conversation about how to process your feelings. It's all about repressing it, just moving forward, especially with an immigrant mentality, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is that you just have to work hard, keep your head down, Mm -hmm. don't cause any trouble, work hard, do well in school, be successful. And that is the ultimate goal. There's nothing about emotional intelligence. There's nothing about connecting with people on a much deeper level. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, you know, my parents are Buddhists and my sisters and I, we went to temple with my parents. And so in terms of spirituality, I feel like my parents were actually very spiritual. Mm -hmm. We talked about reincarnation, about death and all of these kind of bigger topics, but there was never a conversation about your feelings. <laughs> there was never any sort of actual physical outward showing of love. Mm-hmm. There was never any verbal cues of telling us that they loved us. So it's it's just an interesting way to grow up. 
So for you, with the abandonment issue, not not being able to live with your parents for that first, I guess, first year that you were in the country mm-hmm. and you were living on the other side of the country while your parents were in California working, how did that affect you? I mean, I know you said that it affected you in terms of the way that you became hypervigilant and extremely motivated, type A personality, just having to take control of everything. How did that translate into what you ended up doing with your career and kind of your life path before this ayahuasca journey happened? After college, it made me just want to run away (laughs) and run away from the family. How you describe the Asian culture was exactly my experience as well about repressing your emotions. And uh, for me, I felt like it was about duty, duty for the family, duty for for the culture. And I grew up Catholic, so it was duty for the church. Mm -hmm. So, and just growing up, I just didn't resonate with all of that, even being Korean. And I just felt like things were unfair for women and it didn't make any sense. Same with the Catholic Church, I saw the hypocrisy of it all. So even as a child, it didn't make any sense. You know, once I was able to leave the house, I did. And that's where I I was able to experience life. And, but just being separated from my family at three years old. So it was so traumatic for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it because I wasn't in touch with it at all. And I, I realized that there was this fragmentation, dissociation, and it affected all my relationships. There was a, a level of distance. I couldn't find true intimacy with people mm-hmm. because I deep down had a lack of trust, even though I felt like I trusted people easily, friends and family. But I think the deep intimacy, like deep trust where I was able to kind of relax in the world was not there. And it affected every aspect of my life. It felt very lonely. I think I had deep loneliness and I didn't know how to truly deeply connect with people. Right. Because that part of my childhood, I just dissociated with it. So I wasn't fully aware of that, Mm. to be honest with you. But I knew that there was something, a blockage that I really couldn't get Like I didn't understand. I I actually wasn't tangible for me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until ayahuasca. And when I started going down that that path with the medicine is when I fully understood the deep aloneness that I felt. I never Mm -hmm. felt lonely. I think I was fine being alone. Right. And or I had friends around me that I love and I've known for, gosh, like 30 plus years. Right. But it was the deep aloneness that I felt, I believe, that the medicine really showed. And I fully understood it finally that my healing wasn't possible to do it by myself Mm -hmm. and that I needed to seek community. And even through the medicine and because of the medicine, I met you and through our mutual friend and I met her also at one of the ceremonies that we did together. So, and I understand that in my particular journey that I wasn't able to do it by myself. Right. And I was highly independent and highly self-sufficient, but that also translated into my relationships with men as well, where I didn't allow them to be a man because I was more in my masculine 
And I was able to understand that as well. And I thought I was just being a female that can do anything, you know, that I didn't need a man. But in fact, I did. I want to be in a relationship where I feel like I'm, I feel safe and protected and honored and to be able to receive. I didn't know how to receive as well. Yes. The feminine aspect of creation and receiving. I didn't know how to do that. It was so difficult for me. So the medicine just highlighted all of these things. And I didn't have even that awareness at all. I'm glad that I was self-sufficient and my mind translated it as a positive thing. And I would date men and be like, oh, I can do this better. I didn't need him. And this. So, <laughs> in fact, I was just hurting myself. You yeah. know? I wasn't allowing the man to rise to a- actually comfort me and right. me to feel protected. So there are so many things that just came up because of this journey. It was hard to face all of these realities and to actually apply it to my life where I had to actually not just change my mind, but also my behavior. Right. And it's been challenging. It's been very difficult even after the ceremonies. And it's meant to because we're reprogramming ourselves. But at the same time, it's been so rewarding. I've never felt this like at peace or free, even though I have moments of just like craziness or despair. Um, But at the same time, I know it's just temporary. It's allowing me to feel all these feelings that I haven't felt that I've repressed. And even when things are hard, I know that I'll be okay. I'm just allowing it to feel and for it to come up. And I'm not so afraid of my feelings anymore because of this, but it really has helped me look at so many aspects of my life that I had no idea that I... (laughs) Right. I didn't realize I had any dysfunction in. It it has guided me to be the person I was actually, Mm -hmm. that was already there. I mean, all these plant medicines, I feel like what you said is so interesting. The reprogramming of your mind and yourself is such an accurate way to describe it. Mm -hmm. And that just the fact that it's, it brings out the truth. It doesn't matter if you're even ready for it. (laughs) The medicines will bring out the truth. Mm -hmm. The truth of who you really are. Yes. Mm -hmm. So after this first ayahuasca journey, Mm -hmm. when you're just unpacking all of this information from your childhood, everything is coming up that you had suppressed, and you're making all these connections as to why your behaviors as an adult, how it goes back to your childhood and your experiences, how did you integrate once you came out of the first ayahuasca journey? Did you see a therapist to help you integrate it or did you join a community or just try and figure out how to do things on your own to integrate all the information that you had just been given from the ayahuasca experience? Initially, it was on my own because that's just how I work and I've always been reliant on myself, but I realized that community is where I needed to actually direct myself towards, because I know that was part of my healing. So at the temple that where I did the ayahuasca mm-hmm. is where I met a lot of people where we were able to share our experiences. And that's part of the ayahuasca journey, the sharing circle. So after you take the medicine, the next day we have a sharing circle and you share whatever comes to you. You don't have to share at all, but it's actually a great way to start the process of right understanding what just happened. And 
uh, they want you to continue with that with other people in the community, which makes sense. People who have done the ayahuasca, they tend to understand the medicine just a little bit more. And it just opened me up to sharing my experience and or asking for help, really, mm-hmm. truly. I've done counseling sessions with people there that have had a lot of experience with it. And a lot of them are intuitive as well. So it's just through the ayahuasca community is where I just kept kind of putting myself out there and not just to be reliant on my own. Right. But also just having the awareness of day-to-day life and uh, as opposed to doing certain things and just because of habit, but because we have this open state of awareness that try to slowly reprogram ourselves and make different choices yeah. in that way. So, I mean, it's a slow process. <laughs> it's but, a really slow process. Yeah. For me, I find that it's really hard for me and I'm getting better at it with asking for help from other people and not <laughs> trying to do everything on my own. That has been a big learning curve for me. Do you find mm-hmm. that you also now are more open to asking people for help? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. And it's affected my business because I have a bakery and I pretty much have done most of things in terms of the operations management on my own. But because of this journey, I actually am asking for help from my employees Mm -hmm. and it's changed the dynamic of even my work life and my friendships as well. I'm a lot more I guess, just open in terms of what's going on in my life, even if mm-hmm. things are difficult. And I think I used to keep it to myself a bit, a lot more, really. I'm just trying to, yeah, suck it up and handle it on my own kind of thing. You know, we're all actually meant to be communal and we're not meant to do things on our own. And that was a huge, huge, huge understanding, like a download from ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. It truly changed my life. It really has. It hasn't been easy because it's been difficult to reprogram yourself, you know, and I'm so used to doing things on my own, but I really understand that that's limited insight, really, because the more people you bring in into sharing your life, the more perspectives you have that can really help. And the thing is, we can also help our friends and family in that way as well. So... And you realize with the plant medicines, Mm -hmm. regardless of if you've done ayahuasca or psilocybin or Mm -hmm. any of the other ones, I think for me, the first time that I did it, I realized coming out of it that we are all truly connected. Mm -hmm. Like I always knew that, Mm -hmm. right? Just kind of in the ether, you're like, yeah, we're all connected. But when you come out of a journey, you Mm -hmm. realize that we are all connected. Mm -hmm. You've said it so many times about not only that we need each other, but the community aspect is so important mm-hmm. for healing, for helping to heal each other. Healing yourself is such mm-hmm. a big part of it. Oh, absolutely. So from this first ayahuasca journey, what was the time period between the first one until your second one? And in the second one, was that something that you traveled to a different destination to do the ayahuasca journey or did you do it in the U.S.? Yeah, it was at the same facility. And I did, I think maybe four months later because it was just so transformational for me. Mm. I I felt like this huge block was lifted. And I understand that just because 
you have that experience during the ceremony, it doesn't mean that it'll last. We really have to implement it and integrate it into our lives because it can right. easily just disappear. Yeah. So the medicine isn't to, there to do your job. <laughs> We're meant to do it. We're meant to walk the walk and, right. and be active in trying to transform our lives. It's just giving us a, a beautiful glimpse of who we truly are. So about four months later is when I went for my second ceremony because it just like, it was this energy that mm-hmm. I, I knew that this is the medicine that was going to truly help me, you know, at least for the time being. And that's when I learned more about my path in terms of my higher purpose. So I got a huge download that second ceremony to study acupuncture mm. and it happened so quickly and it made a lot of sense once I sat with it and with that information and yeah that was the beginning of changing my career and during the ceremony is when I had my hands were just electrified mm. actually for the entire weekend it was it felt like Hulk hands and that's the only way I can describe it the electricity around my hands were so intense an assistant that works there that had to come over and just regulate my breathing because I didn't know what was happening. And it's really important to go to a facility that has a lot of support. After that weekend, I understood that my path, it was finally discovered in that way. And I was looking into my higher purpose because I've had a bakery for about 15 years now. And it's always been fulfilling, but I knew that there was something else that I wanted to do. Um, And that was one of my intentions going into that second ceremony. And initially, when I asked for what my higher purpose was, she gave me this vision of this eye that was on the floor that was like unfocused. (laughs) I realized what she was telling me was like, dude, you're not ready. You need to meditate more. Or I just had that intuitive knowing of like, okay, that's a big ask. There's more preparation you need to do. And I understood it. I said, yeah, I I get it. There's a lot more I need to do before I get that. And I realized that I still wasn't over that relationship and I still had huge attachment to it. Hmm. For that entire weekend, I still wasn't ready. And she kept saying, let go of him, let go of him. No, I don't want to let go of him. (laughs) And so it wasn't until after the ceremonies is when I drove down from on my way back to the city is when I'm, I finally go, okay, fine. I'm going to let him go. And I was like in my heart, ready to let go of this relationship. And that's when I got this zap, this lightning bolt of inspiration of taking the path to acupuncture. And I sat with it, I meditated on it and it just felt right. So that was in May of 2021. And I started school in September 2021, so three months later. Wow. And so ever since then, I've been working full-time at my bakery, but also going to school part-time. And I'm doing a four-year program that has a master's in acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Mm. Four-year program, but it'll probably take me six years and or more. I don't even know. Initially, I had this issue with time because I am now 50. I'll be 51 in June. So I'm thinking, geez, six years is a long time to make this career change. Yes. But also the medicine really helped me understand that 
time it truly is an illusion mm. and I had to let go of time mm. and I understood the reason why I had to let go of my relationship was having letting go of attachment as, as well mm. so those were big concepts of allowing myself to truly take this path on so especially letting go of attachment oh. I'm able to just experience life, good, bad, ugly, beautiful, and be okay and not hold on to it. So my relationships have changed in so many ways mm. in allowing people to be who they are. And so I understood that it wasn't really about letting go of my relationship with him. It was letting go of the concept of attachment. Right. And then in terms of even acupuncture, it was letting go of time. I was in such a rush and I almost didn't want to even pursue that because I felt like it was going to take too long. But in my heart, I knew this is what I needed to do. I had mm. to relax into it and that everything was going to be okay. I started to get these understandings and downloads that I needed that time to be able to develop more of my skills in energy work. Right. So I'm doing that as well as trying to couple energy work with acupuncture. So I have a lot of work ahead of me. The time is <laughs> yeah. The downloads from both of the ayahuasca journeys, it's keeping you so busy. But mm -hmm. I mean, you're right. It's really hard being in this three-dimensional, very dense reality because mm -hmm. we know that time is a construct. I mean, that mm -hmm. has been proven scientifically. Mm -hmm. Time mm -hmm. is a construct, but it's so hard when you look at each year going by and it feels like each year actually goes by even quicker. Even this year, I feel like is already flying by and it's mm -hmm. moving so quickly that I'm mm -hmm. like, wait, 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 wait. Can we just slow down just a little bit? I just need mm -hmm. to catch up in some way. Yeah. So I have so many questions for you just to go back to the second ayahuasca journey where you really were downloaded with what your life purpose was, which is mm -hmm. to be a healer and to pursue acupuncture. So you talked about your hands and that they were just exploding with, with energy and heat and everything else. What else was going on in your body? Like how was your body feeling during that second ayahuasca journey? What else was going on while you were in that experience? So my body throughout the weekend started to vibrate as well. Mm. It's not too common when I've talked to other people about it. Some people do have felt those feelings, but it's this vibration. It's just this energy surging. And initially I didn't know what it was or why it was happening. Since I've been on this journey, I'm realizing that she was just, I say she because ayahuasca is a female energy. And what she was doing was, I guess, teaching me to understand that everything is energy mm. and it's energy that we can cultivate in our body to heal, to mm. heal ourselves and to help heal other people. I think we're all meant to heal one another. So I guess physiologically, she gave me these surges of energy, like my whole body was vibrating. Not My hands were a different story, but my whole body was vibrating as mm. well. And Were you scared while, it, while this was happening? Did you understand just instinctively that this was part of your journey? There was a little bit of fear, but at the same time, I knew that I was safe. It was just unknown. I've done quite a few ayahuasca ceremonies, and I find that it's 
particular to, I guess, my journey in a sense, when in terms of the energy and the vibrations that come out of it. And now I'm actually able to generate it out of my hands. Mm. So throughout the ceremony, it tends to build up into my body and then come out of my hands. And I realize that it's part of how I'm meant to express certain healing aspects in terms of a group setting kind of thing. But initially, yeah, it was just a puzzle piece. Mm. And it was just this slow progression and slow downloads. And I understand that this progression is necessary because if I was downloaded all this information, I don't think I would have just understood it really. It would have been too much. Right. So So when you were getting the download for your life's purpose, Mm -hmm. did you also get any sort of downloads or enhancements with other gifts after the second journey? Like, did you start to have very vivid dreams or did you feel like you had psychic abilities that were enhanced or psychic abilities that started to become more prominent for you? I guess. Or really any abilities besides the the healing aspect that, you know, with your hands. It's interesting because I've always been claircognizant and that's just knowing Mm -hmm. and these ayahuasca ceremonies help me understand that is what's been going on. Right. I guess because claircognizant, you kind of just don't know. I was more aware of it because of the medicine. And then another thing that started to come up, because I don't have very vivid dreams at all. I actually don't remember my dreams, mm. which I've always found curious. So because of this journey, I realized that I'm meant to channel That's what I'm coming to realize. Mm. And this is something that I have more awareness now than I feel like I need to step into. Uh, The medicine definitely helped me with that. But I think the integration of my day-to-day life, I'm understanding it more. Right. And that's kind of the reason why I believe that I don't remember my dreams. Right. Or even remembering details of my past and my childhood. Mm. And I think I'm meant to kind of just push my identity aside to be this channel for something. I'm not sure what it is. Right. But those are the messages that I'm getting. And the shaman at the place I did ayahuasca during one of the ceremonies, she had mentioned it as well, Mm. is when she said, wow, you're actually a very clear channel. Wow. And that was my first time experiencing that. In one of the ceremonies when my hands were vibrating and I'm vibrating this energy out and I realized like when I was doing that in the ceremony that I was actually vibrating a lot of the collective energy out through my hands. And then so when the shaman came towards me, Mm. my hands locked and I started vibrating on her and then eventually I passed out in this position (gasps) and later on she told me that she saw this bright white light just shoot out of me. Wait, do you think that was a Kundalini awakening? That's what she said, but I didn't feel that. She said that it could have been a Kundalini awakening, but I didn't feel that snake or that intense Mm. pressure, but I blacked out. But at the same time, I felt like I was still aware. Wow. It was weird. It was was like I was dissociated in a weird Mm. way. So I think that's what it was. I'm actually putting myself aside to be a channel. Oh my God. What you described, it's, it almost sounds like something that you would see in a movie. I'm not kidding, right? Yeah. Where your whole body is like vibrating. The fact that your hands, like you said, it just like kind of 
did this whole vibration all the way mm-hmm. up and that stream of energy. And it was just like this and it just sort of, yeah, wow. I, I wasn't in control of it. That's for sure. Oh my God. Yeah. There's been some other incidences too, where I've channeled other people's pain and things like that. So. Oh my God. Yeah. Wait, like what? Wait, share one of those because I love hearing these stories because I'm just always fascinated. I mean, I, yeah, it's interesting that you don't have any vivid dreams because I'm the opposite. I have really vivid dreams. Like I feel like I get all of my messages mm-hmm. and information from my dreams and yeah. I remember them. They're very, very clear to me. So I'm fascinated by the fact that you are a very clear channel. So tell me the story because I love hearing these stories. <laughs> when I was at the temple and for this ayahuasca weekend, the first day during the ceremony, I saw this orb in the corner of the room and I happened to share it. So luckily there was another person in the sharing circle saw the orb. So that was like a really great validation because I typically don't see orbs. Uh, I don't have that gift, I believe, in terms of seeing like spirits. Right. But I was able to see that orb and it happened to be specifically in this one corner. And then the second day, for some reason, the first day I got the messages that I needed. And the second day I wanted to feel, I wanted to understand deep compassion. So I don't know why, but I was very optimistic about it. And I'm thinking compassion is going to be like sweet and lovely, but that was the opposite. (laughs) I felt such deep pain in my stomach and it was excruciating. Actually, it felt like torture for about an hour or so. And I didn't know how long it was going to last, but I knew intuitively that it wasn't my own pain. I knew that. And luckily, I feel like I'm able to differentiate that in terms of being an empath when it's my pain or someone else's pain. So I was in excruciating pain, doubled over. I wasn't crying, but it just felt this intensity of just Mm. agony. I was Mm. in agony. It's like this emotion of agony. And I knew, okay, this is what I needed to go through to understand pain and compassion. I get it. And if it's going to be for five hours... So be it. And I just kind of breathed into it. And I think when I finally got to that point of letting go and I said, this is what it's going to be, is when it stopped. Wow. It stopped. And that's when this energy surged throughout my body and it started pulsating out of my hands. Oh, my God. And that's when I was able to see. It was almost like sound waves coming out of my hands. I felt like an amplifier. The assistance there took me to another room, a little bit more adjacent to give me more space because there's not a lot of space in between the participants. And so I'm energetically, my body is just shaking and all this energy is pumping out of my hands. Wow. And there was a woman next to me and I didn't know her. And this was after that ceremony and she had lost her son through Mm. suicide and she was going through a lot of pain. And she told one of the assistants, you know, asking me who was next to her because she felt like every time I was doing that, her her pain subsided. Oh. And then I realized that beforehand for that hour, I was actually taking on her pain. And I felt that it was just even a portion of it, but it was agony. It was agony. That's what, that's what it felt like. Oh, my God. So she asked who I was because she was able to see these waves 
go from her to me mm. and out of my hands. And when mm. I was able to do that, she felt relief. Oh my God. Yes. We pieced it all together afterwards, but at the time I had no idea. Oh my God. <laughs> Talk about being a conduit for healing and energy. I mean, that is like, I can visualize exactly what happened the way that you described it, mm-hmm. the vibration and the waves and everything else. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. It is incredible. You are definitely a healer. I mean, just in our other conversations that we've had, like there is no doubt in my mind that yeah. you are a healer. That is m- what you are meant to do for sure. Not that you didn't know that, but- I didn't know that really, honestly. I just felt like I was a conduit. Mm. That's what I felt like, or an energy amplifier. Mm. I've heard that from other people as well in terms of highly intuitive people have said, even just directing it towards my hands, multiple people have said, do you have something with your hands? Mm. I don't think I'm really there yet. I think I need the medicine to kind of, I guess, amplify it. Mm. I'm at the point where I'm able to do it on my own, but I know that that's what the medicine does. It just kind of gives you a preview or a glimpse of right. who you really are. Right. But I need to do the work to get to that point of embodying it. Well, I have a lot of friends who are healers. Mm-hmm. They do energy healing, Reiki healing, mm-hmm. and every single one has said their hands, mm-hmm. either they feel it's hot or uncomfortable mm-hmm. or itchy or tingly. Mm-hmm. Even when they were younger, they had this sense, weird sensation on their hands that they couldn't explain. And then as I got older, mm-hmm. they realized that they were actually meant to be healers. And so they've all veered off from whatever their original career paths were mm-hmm. into being healers. The sign is so clear. The fact that your hands were essentially like exploding with energy and mm-hmm. heat in the second ayahuasca journey. Oh, I yeah. mean, there's no way that you cannot not be a healer. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I don't know. I guess I haven't embodied it yet. I feel like just because I'm not there yet, but yeah, I've heard that before. I guess I just feel like I have a lot to learn <laughs> once I can discipline myself a bit more. And I recently have gone through a slump mm. because I think maybe the pressure of knowing that that's the path that I'm meant to be on. I hit a block and I wasn't meditating and things like that. And it felt like I needed that kind of a break to go, okay, I'm ready to finally step into it and be disciplined in my practice. I'm doing more of my meditations daily. I'm activating my hands Mm -hmm. and I feel a lot more and I have more intention in trying to learn and embody that. So, and I feel energetically there's a difference now. Mm. And before, when I was stuck, I was just watching Netflix and this and that. And <laughs> I was like, fuck it, I don't want to deal with this right now. Who doesn't? Um, who doesn't want to just zone out? Yeah, exactly. And then now I'm just like, okay, I'm bored with that. That's not mm. really what I'm meant to do. It's not fulfilling me. Well, you talked a little bit about how your relationships with your friends and how that has changed for you after your mm-hmm. ayahuasca journeys. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. So what's your relationship like with your family? And do they know that you've done these ayahuasca journeys? What was their reaction and everything else? Yeah, they know. And I've always been, I guess, considered a black sheep. And they're open to it. I don't think they're going to rush to do an ayahuasca ceremony. I'm helping them understand that their religion isn't the only religion and an outlet for spirituality or understanding God. So... I'm fortunate that they're open to it, but do you feel like you can have more meaningful, emotional conversations with them? I try to share 
as much as I can, even if it doesn't resonate with them, just in terms of wanting to share my life with them. And I have a couple of friends that have done ayahuasca because of it, because they actually said the reason why I'm doing it is because when they saw me, Mm. uh, maybe several months later, they can see I am so much lighter than I've always been. They saw a visual energetic change and they're not very spiritual at all, but they saw a shift. So it made them want to give it a shot kind of thing. So. It's interesting because the same thing happened with me after my psilocybin journey. I saw one of my friends who I had not seen in a while, and she said the exact same thing to me. She goes, God, you just seem lighter. You Mm -hmm. seem lighter, and you're like kind of emanating this energy and this glow to you. Mm -hmm. And that was literally maybe a few months after, because you know that you have that kind of halo effect after a plant medicine journey. Oh, yeah. And it kind of stays with you and you just feel really good and really connected. So (laughs) I was in the height of that, I think, in the midst of that nice afterglow effect. But, you know, then you have to come back down to this third dimensional reality, (laughs) which is a little, which is heavier and and kind of ground yourself, which is hard for me sometimes to ground myself. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you feel like maybe somebody who is contemplating doing? a plant medicine journey that you feel like is important for them to know or think about before they made that decision? I believe the medicine's not for everyone. Uh, I think you have to be, not have to, but I think you should be called towards it because I've had a friend, he did it out of curiosity and it was actually quite painful for him because he actually Mm. wasn't ready to let go of a lot of stuff. So it can be very painful, Mm. but when you're ready to let go and to be really open to it, to really be open because what the medicine does is it affects the heart chakra and it massages the heart. So all the densities that you have, it massages them out through the heart. So Mm. what I realized that all of the intellectualizing and looking at all these different perspectives and I was doing it on my own and I was like, I got it. I understand it, but why isn't it gone yet? Why am I not healed? And it was because I would, I did bring it down to my heart center and to really feel it and grieve and feel the pain and the loss and the sorrow and the loneliness. And, and that's what the medicine does. It brings it down to the heart. Mm. So you have to be open in terms of feeling, just because you want things to be fixed, it's not a quick fix, but it will bring things down to the heart and allow you to feel those feelings that you've been pushing aside and repressing. So for me, I was just fed up. You can only do so much with the mind. So you have to integrate your heart. So you have to just be fully open. And for the medicine to truly work is to eventually like surrender to those feelings. So that's why I find the medicine so beautiful. It really works through the heart. And that's where actually instant healing happens. Right. And it's so intuitive. All the plant medicines are really intuitive. It Mm -hmm. just knows. It knows what you need to heal and process. Yeah. Highly intelligent. Mm -hmm. Highly intelligent. This has been such a great conversation. We could go on for, because I have so many other questions for you, but I know you have to get going. But let's try and do another one. I would love to do a part two because I know you have so many other things in the works (laughs) that I think another catch-up is going to be in order 
in the next few months, I have a feeling. So Angela, thanks so much. I really am just so grateful for your friendship. I'm really glad that we have gotten to know each other. And thank you for being just so honest and vulnerable and sharing this story. I think it's going to really resonate with a lot of people. I think it's going to really help a lot of people. Thank you. And I believe your work by doing what you're doing right now in terms of this platform is really going to truly just change people's lives. I really believe that, especially the minority community and people of color. And it's so important. It's important work that you're doing and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So we'll talk soon. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Your support means a lot to me. So please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So let me know what resonates for you. Until next time, take care.